As we continue this season of Lent, one in which we're focusing on, really focusing on time of prayer and understanding prayer not as us getting what we want from God, uh, not our way to negotiate with God, but understanding prayers, our way of listening to God, really, of, of getting on board with what God is doing, uh, understanding that God is on the move, that God has a momentum, and, and we simply want to latch on to that momentum for all that God is doing in our, mit- in our midst, in our own lives, and in our communities. And today, we're, we want to uh, latch on to God's momentum as to how He's moving in the lives of those uh, around us who don't know Him. Um, that we, we want to join in, in prayer to, to, to latch on to God's longing that those that don't know Him would be awakened to Him. Uh, that they would experience Him anew and uh, they would taste and see that, that God is good. Uh, last week, we prayed for ourselves we pray that, that what God would, God's, would be alive in us, uh, that we would be renewed, we would be revived, that He would awaken us to what we've been singing about that can so easily become old hat, can so easily come in a rut. And, um, but today, now, we focus our attention, and for this week of prayer during this season of Lent, uh, we're going to focus on those who are outside the Christian faith. Those that may know about Jesus, but not know Him directly, not know Him personally. And it's some around us who don't even know who He is. We're going to focus as well this week on praying for those who are around us. Those that we can touch, friends, colleagues, co-workers, those that family members who don't know Him. Because God wants to know them and wants them to know Him. As we look at these particular passages, both in Isaiah 55 and Luke 15, we'll see that God's grace, God's pursuit and God's power is is able to bring even the most wicked to repentance, to receive His love and grace. Our uh, passage is Isaiah 55. It's found on page 598 in your uh, Pew Bible or Luke 15, which is on page 850. You can turn there or you can follow along on the screen. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Speak to us in this time. Lead us. Uh, teach us. Change us. Show us what you are doing and help us to get on board with you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Isaiah 55 starting with verse 6 and I'll read through verse 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, that He may have mercy on them. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 1. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, as we look, look at Luke... Uh, 15, uh, we, we capture the, the, real, the character of God here. Uh, one who, who is searching diligently for those who don't know Him. Uh, seeking to be in, in, in relationship uh, with them. God takes the initiative. God pursues the lost, the broken, the selfish, prideful people, the wicked. Just like me and you. And when He finds them. When he engages with them, and then they repent. And they, they turn to him. Then the fireworks and celebrations, the parties of heaven ensue. The unbound affection and relentless pursuit of God that will end up in an eventual celebration of fireworks and joy in heaven and on earth. That's the character of God. That's, that's the nature of the, of the Creator who is seeking and searching for all to come to know Him. A couple... Uh, well, actually, one movie came to mind when I was thinking about this. And uh, if you're, you may have seen it. Um, is it uh, Taken? You know, by, by Liam Nelson. He, he's in it, you know, and, and it's a, it's really a rather harsh movie, but the, one of the points of the movie is really good because it's basically listen to your dad. As, uh, at least that's what I told my kids after we watched it. And, but if you've seen it, it's rather harsh, and I was trying to think, gosh, is there a, what happens is the daughter goes to Europe and, um, gets kidnapped. And then this movie's about Liam Nelson, who's this special agent, you know, all kinds of training and, um, and he basically just pulverizes his way through Europe to find his daughter. There just wasn't a scene that I could think of that would be appropriate to show, that wouldn't get me in a lot of trouble. Some of you'd love it, but some of you wouldn't. And, you know, I'm just not into that for a movie clip. But then I was reminded of another movie with a similar storyline. And this one I can show. It's about the story of a fish named Nemo. <laughs> and if you've seen it, then you know, you know, this, this fish, he is uh, going, um, he gets captured by some fishermen and delivered to a dentist office, a tank in a dentist office in Sydney, Australia. 
and his dad named Merlin then ensues on this journey of all kinds of peril. Opposing sharks and jellyfish and searching out his one little son in a vast ocean that he's in. And there's a great clip here of the pelican, Griffin, who has come to, to tell Nemo about his dad. Because the story's gotten out. It started to get out in the ocean about Merlin's looking for Nemo. Now, but Nemo, he's in the tank and he is despondent. I mean, he's lost, he's broken, he's blaming himself, he's figuring his dad doesn't really care for him anymore. Matter of fact, his dad's probably glad that he's out of his hair. And so he's just moping in the fish tank until Griffin shows up to deliver the good news about the relentless pursuit of his father. Nemo, where's Nemo? I've got to speak with him. What? What is it? Your dad's been fighting the entire ocean looking for you. My father? Really? Really? Oh, yeah. He's traveled hundreds of miles. He's been battling sharks and jellyfish, sharks? all sorts of... That can't be him. Are you sure? What was his name? Uh, some sort of sport fish or something. Tuna? Uh, trout? Marlin? That's it. Marlin, the little clownfish from the reef. It's my dad. He took on a shark. I heard he took on three... Three? Three? Three sharks? It's got to be 4,800 P. You see, kid, after you were taken by Diver Dan over there, your dad followed the boat you were on like a maniac. Really? He's swimming and he's swimming and he's giving it all he's got. And then three gigantic sharks capture him and he blows him up. And then dives thousands of feet and he gets chased by a monster with huge teeth. He ties the steam with a rock. Once he gets for a reward, he gets to battle an entire jellyfish forest. But now he's riding with a bunch of sea turtles on the East Australian current. And the word is he's headed this way right now. To Sydney! Wow! Oh, what a good day! <laughs> he was looking for you after all, shark bait. Did you see how Nemo was awakening? Did you see how he heard the good news of his father's pursuit that, that then he almost grew in size? That we almost didn't even hear the story anymore. It took it to a different level of a, a, a spiritual connection that filled him. You know, the really good news, brothers and sisters, is that we get to be Griffin. We, we get to be the ones who, who now have heard the good news, have experienced the, the relentless pursuit, the unbounded affection of our Father, and now we get to go tell others, Hey, your, your Father, He's after you. He's coming. He wants you. He loves you. Did you hear one of the, the fish in there? It's sort of muffled in there, but he's after the end of the story, after Nemo you know, leaves, he's like, man, what a daddy. <laughs> yeah, that's what we get to tell others about. We get to, to live that story with others around us who don't know him. That's God's longing. That's God's desire. Who desires for all to come to repentance and to know him. Now, look again at Luke chapter 15. Notice the proportions of the numbers in this particular parable that Jesus is saying. That that this this sheep is willing to leave the 99 because his his heart is so much for the one that's, that's lost out there. Now, I know fully well that God is present with us right now. That God inhabits the praise of his people. And he he enjoys and celebrates God's people gathering to give him praise. But if I read this passage correctly, 
then what he's telling us is that this is really important. But what's more important is what happens outside these walls with those that don't know him. 99 to 1. That God's heart is pursuing those who are separated from him. Who are facing a hellish existence apart from the love of God. No hope for tomorrow and dread of the deepest kind for eternity separated from him. That's the heart of God. And that's what we're praying for this week. That we would be in tune with God's heart and that God would, would so fill us and, and, and so enable us to live out this story that it would awaken others to hear the news that, you know, you've got a Father in heaven who loves you and who pursues you with a relentless abandon. But, but I, I think I'd be remiss... If I didn't stop and say, you know, brothers and sisters, we and the church of Jesus Christ largely have failed in maintaining the proportion of Luke 15. We are evangelistically unhealthy. And we need to be pursuing God in a way that we take on the proportions that he has. That we are reaching out, engaging with those that don't know him, and that we are putting ourselves in those kind of positions. That our our prayers are focused on on those that don't know him. that, That God would awaken. Because, you know, it's God's job to awaken the soul of one that doesn't know him. I can't do it, you can't do it. Jesus doesn't tell us to do it. He never commands us to do it. What he does tell us is that he, he tells Peter in Luke 5, you know, follow me, come learn from me, and I will make you a fisher of man. And, and he tells the, the gathered disciple in the beginning of Acts, he says, you, the Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Wherever you go, as we're followers of Jesus, we are witnesses to Christ. But are we tapped into that relentless pursuit of the Father? That it so fills us when we engage the world that we are looking with the eyes of God to say, where are the ones who, who, that God is beginning to awaken or that God is leading me to, to live my story, to tell my story of, of His pursuit of me with them? I want, I want to tell you why I fail in this. And it's really the Isaiah 55 passage. That comes to mind. The reason that I, I fail while I'm evangelistically unhealthy is because I forget. I mean, I remember God's pursuit. I, I, all right, I, I get that. But I forget of just how absolutely powerful the love of God is. Yeah, I turn cynical in a hurry. Man, there's just no way. You know, the, 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 the culture is so turned, so secular, and all the words, there's no way I can battle. I mean, I start taking on the responsibility. It's my job to win an argument or something. Instead of just be a witness to the love of Jesus. And to put myself in situations where that opportunity arises. And it's Isaiah 55 that really woke me up to that. One, I mean, I use this passage all the time. But I use it to answer questions that I don't know the answer to. You know, I mean, it's sort of like, well, you know, God's ways are higher than our, our ways. You know, move on to the next point. I never realized, though, it's evangelistic. 
It's in an evangelistic context where he starts to seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord. And what is beyond our way is that the wicked, the unrighteous, can turn to the Lord and be received and loved and enveloped into the very purposes of God. That's the way that God is higher than my thoughts. Not some understanding of the Trinity or existence of quarks or something. What is the most unbelievable truth of God's character is that the most wicked can turn to Him and do. That all those people in my mind who I'm saying, there's no way that God loves them, has a pursuit for them, but also has a powerful love for them that can receive them. You know, you know I just... I'm a slow learner in a lot of these ways. And if it weren't for this passage and and the opportunity to do this, I wouldn't have stopped and thought about this a little bit. But, you know, we've had an object lesson of this for the last month. You know, we've had three people's stories we've heard of conversions. People that came to him. One, if if you recall, is Nasiru, who is in Nigeria. As a matter of fact, I got an email today um, from uh, uh, Joseph. Uh, now, Nasiru, well, before I read that, Nasiru is uh, one who is in Nigeria. That's Joseph, uh, brother, Pastor Joseph. They, they gather and listen to our worship services on the internet. And Nasiru is one who's Muslim background. Uh, uh, he comes from a uh, family who's uh, um, Muslim. And, but he came to Christ. And he's now uh, gathering and with them and in, encouraged by them. And uh, 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 Joseph tells us, you know, continue to pray for Nasiru, that he'd be strengthened in his faith, especially as we are surrounded by terrorists. Pray also for me and for the entire church in Nigeria, uh, worshiping on, online with the church in Cincinnati. Uh, if you don't know, I mean, they're the... Uh, I forget the name of the Boko Haram. It's a terrorist group that's been pretty prominent in Nigeria and around them, and, and especially for Nasiru. I mean, it makes no sense, humanly speaking, for him to claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. I mean, it means his family disowns him. It means his friends disowns him. And it means now he gets the privilege of having death threats. Makes no sense for him to come to Jesus unless his very heart and soul is awakened to the truth and to the life that he sees, that he experiences in Jesus. Where he would say, yes, Jesus is Lord and Savior and be willing, literally, to take a bullet or a machete for it. And yet we, through the wonderful privilege of internet, and get to participate in that. And then just the last two Sundays, we've had two baptisms right here. You know, one with, with Bobby, who shared her story with us, who, you know, her, her story was not the ideal family situation. Matter of fact, as she shared with us, it was very messed up. It was not really any prominent uh, mention of Jesus or of church in any of her life. And in the midst of that, uh, she connected with Kelly Forsman here, moved in with her, started participating in the listening ministry with Ann Clippard, and, and came to Christ. Yeah, she, there was, no again, no human reason. She had no preconceived notion that God was even real or existed or anything. But through that journey has repented 
And we had the privilege of watching her come out of the water and almost dance as the freedom, as the shackles were removed. Ah, that God's pursuit is relentless, but His love is powerful. And then last week with Sam Engel, as he as his, came out of the waters of baptism, was just a culmination of so many of you who, who have poured into him, who we've surrounded Scott and Dottie as, as the church is to be. And you, you, you held him in the nursery, you changed his diapers, you told him about Jesus, and you lived it out. And he stood right here and with a boldness said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not sure which of those three stories is more miraculous than the other. (laughs) That a 17-year-old today in America would stand up and say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Or that someone in Nigeria with the face of all that's going on say that Jesus is Lord and Savior. But that's the power of the love of God. That, That we have received and that now we get to share with others. Now, what uh, I ask you to do in this, this moment is get out a pen and a piece of paper. Get out your bulletin. There'll be space. You don't have to have a lot of space. Something that you'll take with you. You know, last week we, we were praying for renewal and people wrote down things that were, uh, they were wanted to be renewed about and we prayed for one another. We passed those around and folks were praying and shared with me. You know, I'm, I don't know who I'm praying for, but I'm praying that this area of their life will be renewed. Well, th- this time you're going to keep this prayer request because what I want you to be asking God, who's the person that is around me that doesn't know you that you want me to pray for this week? Who's the person? Colleague, school, whatever. It may, it may be, you don't have a person, but maybe a place. Maybe a place. Lord, would you, this is where I hang out a lot with folks that I don't know. Would you raise up in this place just the, the person or people or bring that about? So either a person or a place. And what I'm asking you to commit to this week is to praying every day for that person or that place. As we pray that God would awaken those around us. And that we have the privilege of participating in this wonderful work of sharing with others that you've got a daddy who's pursuing you relentlessly with a powerful love that knows no bounds. Take uh, another 20 seconds or so. Write that down. Listen and Pray for God's awakening work.